I'm Stephen Jack Pitella. And I'm Jill DeWitt. And this is the Land Academy Show. This is episode number 1939, if you can believe it. <laughs> and today we are talking in depth about how to negotiate a purchase price down from $30,000 to $13,000. Jill's going to handle that. And then a little later on the show, uh, I'm going to talk about what's holding you back from actually accomplishing all your goals, personally and professionally. Cool. It sounds like we got a good mix of Jill telling us how to do deals and <laughs> and me hoping uh, you know maybe I can get you prepped to make some serious dough. Well, the the point here too is this podcast is not just for people who find us, but for members and anybody in our world. I know there's a lot of people that listen and watch that are not in Land Academy. You have told me, <laughs> and you get little nuggets out of the out of this. So, and I appreciate that. Remember the time it was so funny. I I was uh, looking for a broker in a certain area, and I picked up the phone, and I I just was you know cold calling. I'm like, I need a broker to sell this property, and I called this guy, and he answered the phone. He's like. Jill DeWitt and I'm like have we spoken before he's like you don't know me but I listened to your podcast it was so funny it was really cool so I appreciate that good hope you're also enjoying our 2023 weekly show this yeah. format's changed I think this is probably number four each week we answer questions from our land academy discord forum review land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday member webinar and take a deep dive into two land related topics that we just mentioned mm -hmm. uh, and these are usually by by uh, request they are definitely by request <laughs> now let's take a question posted by one of our members in the land academy discord online community if you want a sneak peek about what that's all about you're not a land academy member yet uh, check out landinvestors.com it's also posted out now on uh, landacademy.com yep. i'm told it it's is. free in uh, read only format it's yep. pretty interesting it's if you're into this it's worth checking out mm -hmm. okay um probacorn wrote prop i think i got that right wrote should most HOA properties be avoided entirely? Just received two accepted offers in North Carolina, but both have a $3,397 yearly HOA in the golf community. Both are infill lots. That's hefty. That's really good. So here's a couple here's a couple comments that some members wrote. First of all, Will wrote, I like this. This so this is the power of Discord, and I was just was helping someone about that this morning. Like you that you everybody right there is here and happy to help too. So one of our members, Will wrote, not necessarily, but a few things to look at for infill lots and HOAs in my experience in North Carolina. Number one, see if they've already paid the HOA dues for the year and if they will agree to transfer that amount in the sale. Number two, get details from the HOA on what the ownership transfer fees are. We've been hit with that. I had one under contract that has $7,500 owner transfer fee. Yep. Nope. Uh, We've seen that too. Yep, the lot wasn't worth it and I couldn't get it assigned to a builder to try to minimize the impact of two transfers. Yeah. That's a lot. See, that's the thing, you can't get hit with that. And if you do go forward, number three, make sure you know the doc prep fee for the HOA ordinances. They can add $500 at closing. So yeah, there's a lot, of, there can be a lot of hidden fees. We always think about what are the annual fees, what are the monthly fees, and what are the restrictions. We don't think about the transfer fees all the time, and that's important, and thank you, Will, you are 100% correct. You need to check all that. What's an HOA anyway? It stands for Home Owners Association. Or POA. You know, yeah. There's POA's Property Owners Association too. Yeah. Exactly. So you have to decide 
if this type of property is something that you want to invest in, people uh, make a lot of money buying and selling HOA property sure. all the time. When you first, you need to decide who your customer is. HOA properties in general or HOA communities, what, I mean, why do they even exist? Why are some properties in an HOA community? Why are some properties not in an HOA community? HOAs are relatively new in the world of real estate development and subdivisions. Um, in the 50s and 60s, no one ever heard of what an H. There was no, they were non-existent. In the 70s and 80s, it became a new business model. So not only do you build a condo community, or uh, in our case, when we go and buy and sell land, um, a large swath of, of real estate, subdivide it into uh, properties, and then sell those properties off and charge. An, an association fee, which is usually responsible for like road maintenance and some other stuff. Unfortunately, what comes with that is rules, a lot of rules. And if you're in an urban area, um, the rules can get pretty ridiculous pretty quickly, like how long your grass can be. Oh yeah, how long you can keep your garage door open and it's, pulling in your trash things. So in my, yeah, exactly, yeah. in my opinion, the the uh, the spirit of rural living is you can do whatever the hell you want yeah. out there, and if it's so it's got an, an HOA, <clears throat> HOA associated with it where you can't have chickens or anything you can imagine, right? You know that really narrows the the thick of it is it narrows your buyer base. True. When do we ever want to narrow our buyer base? Never. True. So you now you're selling uh, real estate to a very specific buyer, and you better get it cheap. That said. Jill and I have bought, made tons of money, literally tens mm -hmm. of millions of dollars in HOA communities in the Southwest. So uh, you, you just have to decide, we don't buy HOA property almost ever anymore. There's a, it's, yeah, it's, it's rare, but it's okay. But I know that it's a $100 transfer fee or, and it's like $100. You know, I'll tell you what really comes up. I The, the ones that I deal with now are like a $100 transfer fee and it's $100 a year because all they do is there's a sign, it pays for the sign and maybe, uh, you know, running over the roads, keeping the dirt roads, you know, relatively passable <laughs> kind of thing. If you call the HOA and yeah. if it's the HOA is large enough, there are people with that are working there. Uh -huh. And so now all the people that are live in the community are paying in every month or every year. And now they're paying these people's salaries. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you like, if you're the kind of person who likes government and you like paying people's salaries to just create some type of fictitious work, then HOAs might be for you. No sarcasm there. <laughs> if you, you know, call the HOA and yeah. ask them for a copy of the CCNRs, yeah. the Covenants Something and Restrictions. Uh -huh. So right in the title, you are restricted. Yeah. Covenants and restrictions. Yeah, that's I don't true. want to be restricted. Exactly. In the use of my land. And just, well, you know, and sometimes even with this one, you know, this $7,500 one, okay, if it's a million dollar home HOA, it might make sense. So let me just back up and say that wherever this is, if these are lots that are sold between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars and then the homes when they're done are a million bucks, then $7,500 I can totally swallow. There's a golf course there and yeah. a club and, and that's what you're paying for. And a bar and that's, a restaurant. That's different. Yeah. <clears throat> that's not an eight, that we don't run into those at Land Academy. Not very uh, often. Those those types of places are, you know, it's a country club type of environment. Yeah. And there's, you could, some people could argue that you actually get value and yeah. you're creating value in the house that you buy or the condo that you buy and, and, and you're having fun on the weekends too. Right. So that's different. Exactly. In general, restrictions on real estate, not good. Mm -hmm. 
Today's first topic is how to negotiate a purchase price from $30,000 down to $13,000 by Joe. So let me paint this picture. Jack did everything right. The, the mail went out, um, seller, Jack picked the right area. He, he downloaded the right uh, information, the right comps, scraped it, all of the stuff that he does that goes into pricing to get these offers out to, to property owners, right? They get um, direct mail offers with a number on it. And let's just imagine my number was $31,336.45. That would be how what our offers look like, because it's a it's a beautiful uh, I don't know eighty acre ranch type property. Maybe it's ag. Oh, it's eighty acres of ag. That might make sense. I eighty acres see. for thirty grand, huh? Right. So let's just go with that. I don't know. I'll just follow me here. <laughs> That's good. So. Uh, the offer comes back and I look at it and at first I'm like, this is great. Let's see what we can do. And the guy signed it and he sent it back and we're all ready to go. So now I dig in, I go, oh, shucks. This one slipped in. This one isn't zoned the right way. This one doesn't have the access that we thought. This one's not, you know, being used, like farmed right now. Some of them will get are being used, you know, kind of thing. I'm like, shoot. And it's way on the outskirts. You know, it's on the other side of the train tracks kind of thing where it doesn't command that price. If it would have been over on this side of the train tracks, it would. But on this side of the train tracks, it doesn't. That can happen. Can you account for that when you send out the mail? No. So this is a normal situation. And this this does come up, um, and there's you just need to know how to handle it. So now I'm looking at this and running numbers again, and it's still a good property. So I might I'm liking it, but I'm not going to do 30 because I'm going to sell it for like 50. I can't buy it for 30 and sell it for 50. That's not going to work here. Those does that does not meet my numbers, especially when I factor in escrow fees and the way I do it nowadays. I'm, I'm not gonna work that hard. <laughs> I'm bringing in a broker to do it. And I have a great guy in the area. By the time I take all that out, I might net 10. And if something goes sideways, then I'm really worried. So I'm like, all right. So I look at the property. I'm like, you know, I could do 13. Buying for 13 with a commission, with escrow fees, and all of that to sell for 50. Now it makes sense. Now I'm gonna do it. So. Great, that, that's great, Jill. But you're saying, what now? How do you get the seller on board with you? That's a tough conversation. And that's what we're gonna have right now. And even though we put negotiate in here, I'm really not negotiating. So it's. What are you, what are you doing? This is interesting. Yeah, no, I'm explaining. It, it doesn't work. And you're here's explaining why. it. You're I'll explaining explain. the actual. No, I think that's right. That's great. Well, you're yeah. actually explaining to the seller why his property or her it property is not. Demand that. Not worth the original purchase price right. to us anyway. You know what? And that person, just so you know, that's the reason they signed it at 30. They know it's like, whoa, that's a good number, right? Remember, I want to sell it for 50. So uh, they know, whoa, well, I'll take 30 all day long. So this is what you have to do. Um, first thing I want you to do is everything I just said, do your homework, do your due diligence, um, and get all your ducks in a row and be, be sure that you still want the property. Right, I love it. The access isn't great, but it's it's not paved. It's dirt. Fine, and we have legal access. Fine, so that all checks out. We're good with that. It's not as close to town as I like, but you know, at thirteen, I can make this work. So, 
and I would write this stuff down. I want you to have a couple points, not 20, and try not, I don't want you to make up stuff, you know. It's okay to kind of say, I wish it was closer to, or it's not as close to this, you know. I want you to have real reasons why it doesn't work for you at that price. And you're gonna call the person back, you have, and and talk to them. You probably had a conversation. I hope you had a conversation with them before. You may or may not have had a conversation. It may have just been they signed it and sent it back. Either way, it's gonna start out with, hi, I'm Jill. I got your signed purchase agreement. I'm so glad that you're excited and you and you want to sell this property. We got to talk. <laughs> Something like that. And I'm like, okay, you're kind of prepping them. First thing I want to know is what do they know? Have you seen the property? When was the last time you've seen the property? A lot of people have never seen it. They don't even know what's out there. They may think that Amazon is next door and that's why you're sending this offer. They, they may have inherited it, owned it for 20 years, who knows? A lot of the time they haven't seen it. They haven't been out there. It's not their property next door kind of thing. Um, so we gotta find that out or just you know kind of gauge what they know. And then you know how to come at it too and go, all right, well, you're either gonna say, as you may have noticed, nothing's happening in that area if they have seen it, you know, if they are not far from it, or you're gonna say, let me tell you what's going on with that area because you haven't been there in a while. And this is where you start filling them in. All right, so I see that that was gonna be hopefully the path of growth when you bought this back 20 years ago, you know, but it's not what's happening now. So I looked around, I did all my numbers and, and well, I'm like, actually, let me get to that. First, I'm gonna start giving them two, maybe three things that are concrete of why it doesn't command $30,000. Like, you know, I wish it was closer to fill in the blank. Anybody's gonna be out there, they're kinda out there. You know, they're gonna have to drive this far to get their mail uh, and milk. Number one. Number two, I thought it was paved. Turns out it's not. You know, it looks like you do have legal access, so that's, I, I try to make them feel good that it's a good property, because I want it. You know, so that's good, but it's not, you know, I can't really get every vehicle out there, so that's gonna be a little bit of a, an issue. And then the third thing is, you know, I just looked at properties in the area and they're just not commanding that much. You know, I looked back and, you know, something like that. I want you to have a couple good things that, so you're kind of setting the thing for them like, oh, all right. I kind of thought, and let them talk while you're doing this too. Don't give them a speech, let them talk. I want a dialogue, I want them to go, you know, I kind of suspected that, or yeah, I remember that. We all thought that was gonna be a big airport, but it's still just a little, you know, private thing and maybe I think there's, you know, five planes a day that land there and you can say, yep, yeah, that's that's exactly what I, it looks like to me too, kind of thing. So then you're gonna go, so now here's where we're at. I do, after now we've got them all, you know, knowing where you're coming from and you've you explained why, you know, it's not as great as you thought it was when you sent out that offer for 30,000. So uh, now what you're gonna do is say, but I do like the property. I do, it, I do see some value there. Um, and I ran some numbers, I did some work on it and I really, uh, I really um, came up with the best that I can do. And that is $13,000. If that works for you, great. I will get escrow started right now. And, you know, I will get this, my gal in town can do these things in two weeks, if that. I'm gonna, I'll try to push it through so you can get paid out quickly. Uh, and let them talk. Let them, let them breathe. Let them think. 
and let them come back to you kind of thing. Do you want to ask me questions yet? So what's the, I mean, what, <clears throat> what percentage of time does it work? <sighs> More than 50. Yeah. More than 50%. That's what's really important to retain uh, from what Joe's saying here. It's, she's got a pretty patented, um, experienced way of reducing, legitimately reducing a purchase price so that it works for her acquisition criteria. Exactly. See, in Land Academy, you're supposed to establish an acquisition criteria right. before you even start sending the mail out, before you even start to look for places to send mail. And so if these properties come back and they're not fitting your acquisition criteria, it's extremely important to not just go ahead with the deal and see what happens. Right. That's what most people do in life. And it doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. If you're at all questioning the, the purchase price that you offered, this doesn't mean that you sent the mail out wrong. No, not at all. What there it means some, is it came back yeah. and there's some legitimate issues with the with the real estate right. that you could never see in the assessor data that we use to, to value property. And you're adjusting the price legitimately. What you don't want to do is make this your business model or right. every single property because uh, you know we all know people in our personal lives uh you know they may be living in your own house that have to negotiate everything right that's just who they are and that's not uh that's not what we do and that's not what land academy is for we're not here to squeeze every single nickel out of a seller right. so that we can make more money on the sell side that is not this model right but if the property's not fitting the criteria it just doesn't it just What's doesn't come on that price. This? What's the real cure-all yeah. to this? Send a ton of mail out. True. So now you're looking at not just what this one deal that needs to be reduced from 30 to 13. You've got 22 of them. Yeah. And if she's at a 50% strike rate and you're brand new and you're at a 20% strike rate, you're still going to do a bunch mm -hmm. of deals. Well, let me let me finish with this. And you're right because this it's like dating. <laughs> I have to say this. It's just like dating when you up your numbers and you know that you're going to have a date on saturday night because you're you're dating four people right you're not hung up on one person because you had one halfway decent date you're dating four people you you know you're not you're gonna like you're yeah if this not. guy doesn't want to go i'll go with another guy yep. i got three other guys in my that i would love to go to dinner with or who would love to come to me with with this to this, this works uh, both ways. On Saturday, I know it's not it does. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Trust me, I learned it from a guy. <laughs> we we women didn't come up with this. You men came up with this. I'm learning, and I'm trying to help every other woman. <laughs> if you're in the beginning of a relationship with a woman, and she's not compliant, like a seller's compliant. not compliant. Compliant. Sends out some more mail. Is your girl compliant? <laughs> Dude, that's going to be next week's show. <laughs> How to have a compliant partner. How to make your seller compliant. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. No. <laughs> no, back to this. Okay, so let me tell you what the, how this is really going to play out now. You're like 50%. What are you talking about, Joe? Yeah. So remember, we had a conversation. This person and I are talking about this, and I'm explaining the situation. Sure, they're going to be really disappointed right now, right? But you you told them all the reasons why. Now, if they're not, there's a couple things that are going to happen. One is they're going to go, okay, fine, I get it. Let's do this. That's the dream that's going to happen right there. Number one um, scenario, and then you do it and you follow through, man. That's what I'm saying. You better when you call them back and you have that number, you better be ready to go. It needs to be a number that you feel great about. If it if something else pops up, I don't care because I got it for 13 grand. I know this is going to work. All right. Scenario number two is they're going to go. Oh, jeez, that is not what I was thinking. Oh my gosh. Oh my. Um, okay, I need to sleep on this. I need to talk to my wife. You know, my brother expressed interest. That's gonna happen. You know, I need to make some calls. Totally cool. That's totally fine. I get it. 
um, you want me to call you tomorrow? You want to, when do you want to talk? And set up a time that you're going to call, have the right number, and be ready to go. Because and so they can make their calls and be ready for you. Uh, that's number two. Uh, and then number three is, what the heck? Hell no. That's not going to work for me. I only wanted 30. Uh, I really wanted 50 because they want retail or be above retail. Let's even go there because they do. They don't even know what it's worth. Um, and oh, 13? Nope, not going to work. Sorry, have a, you know, whatever. Okay, totally get it. How, would you just hang on to my offer? Tell you what, I totally understand and I get it. And I know that would be hard to hear from me too. So please just hang on to my letter, you know, leave it on your desk. Think about it. You know, I, um, you know, I'm going to be, uh, available. I'm usually available in the afternoons. Uh, and if you change your mind, please give me a call back. Oh, and I can get this going really fast. I'm, I'm ready to go and then, and let it go and watch how many times you got to leave the door open. You got to be, um, understanding to them and you got to leave that door open and they will come back. They will call you. It might be a day from now, you know, like the guy that we had, the one, the first situation, you know, my, he wanted 20 and I was at five and he, and he called me the next day. He was like, what? And he's like, I'll take your five. He's like, how fast can we do this? And I ran to the bank and we got this thing done real quick. But, um, and, but the, but the other ones, he, they'll probably make those calls and it might be 30 days. It might even be a little bit longer. Usually it's within 30 days that my experience is that, that this comes back and they, and they do go, all right, I'm ready to go. But the ones that wait even longer, those are even the best ones because when they call you back six months from now and they're staring at their offer and they know that you, you promised $13,000, um, and they need $13,000 right now, they're calling you back in six months saying, Hey, um, do you still want this? And, and, and do, would you still pay 13? Like they're even warmer to say, I'll take what you'll give me kind of thing. If you're uh, thinking about doing this as a real career, or if you're already doing it, many, many, many of you are already doing this, this situation that Jill's describing is something that's gonna, you're gonna come across on a weekly basis, yeah. if not more. It's something that you really need to think about and embrace and, and uh, certainly not take advantage of. I think that goes without saying, but prices need to be adjusted. It happens in all kinds of real estate all the time. Think about buying a house. You go to buy a house, everybody agrees on a price. The inspection comes back and it needs a new water heater. Well, right. I'm not, you know, we need to take that off the price. If I'm the buyer, we're taking that off the price. If I'm the seller, I'm going to say, well, it's already so, the price is so reduced. And so there's some t discussion that has mm -hmm. to go on uh, within reason. Mm -hmm. And so it either works for the seller and the buyer or it doesn't. It's not uh, anything to be really um, worried about. The, the, the way to, you know, unfortunately with the house, you're buying one house, you, you like the, you know, for whatever, you like that house for whatever reason and it's a little bit more emotional for land you're just looking at the money piece here you could have 50 of these things going on at the same yeah. and, and then and really negotiate the ones that need to be negotiated they need to be valued correctly for you to make money right you have complete control over the situation you might not have complete control over this one deal by you know reduced from 30 to 13 but if you're looking at six of them because you sent the mail out correctly, that's it. You have com entire control over what you're going to buy that month and sell. That's the best part. Like Jack just said, and usually you have more than six. If you're doing it right, hopefully you got twenty. And yeah. you're like, so when you when you have that thing and you tell you like I said, you leave the door open and you say, hey, I'm here. 
let me know if anything changes and I'll get it done real fast for you. Usually I can do it within two weeks. My, my escrow agent is amazing. Um, I wish you all the best. Thank you. Bye. Click next envelope. You don't even care. You don't even care because you know what? Next one you open up, that's mm -hmm. next one you open up and you send out for 30, you're like, wow, I would have paid 50. This thing's worth a lot more even than that. Yeah. This one's worth 100. Holy cow. I think I can get 120 for this thing. Let me check with the broker. Now you've already forgotten, right? You are on your way working on this next deal. And then someday, this sweet person's probably going to come back and, like I said, say, I called all my family. My wife said, my wife's going to divorce me if I don't sell it. You know, that happens. I've had those. They say that, you know, she was mad at me for buying it in the first place kind of thing. And uh, and I'll take your I'll take your 13. What can really complicate this is if a seller's staring at three offers, like, let's say the state of North Carolina, because everybody seems to be love to mail in North Carolina. I'm not sure why. That's kind of but funny. That just happens. I'm not <clears throat> advocating just by the fact that I think I just said North Carolina. People think that I'm advocating sending yeah, mail right. there, and it's quite the opposite. I'm saying, please don't send me if more mail to North Carolina. If we list a county or a state, that means don't do it. That's right. <laughs> what ends up happening Not because is of us. <laughs> if a I'm seller is staring at three offers, I can tell you this from experience, yeah. and Jill's one of yeah. the offers is from us, yeah. and Jill's talking like she just talked. And she's what she's really doing is is establishing trust and establishing a relationship with the seller. Mm -hmm. There's a very good chance that one of the offers that they received, even if it's for more money, they just went dark. They never yep. followed up. They're great happens at sending a lot. They were great at sending mail out. Happens which to is me. What, they were great at sending mail out, which is what I'm really really good at. But I'm not really good at what Jill does. Mm -hmm. And. So, you know, all right, that the offer's off the table. Offer number two, they may have gotten a call back and they may have gotten a call back with somebody uh, that's got a, a dry personality like me, where I'm really, you know, I'm on the phone with you, yeah, I, it's 13, here's why. And uh, please let me know what you think. Click. Mm -hmm. And then there's Jill. And she's talked, befriended this person, talked to them for let's say 10, 15, 20 minutes, and probably knows their kids' names by then. Mm -hmm. And so who do you think they're gonna call back? Who do you think is going to actually get the deal done? And this is not an option. Mm -mm. This, this, what the, the piece of this business that Joel fulfills for us is not an option. It's like sending out a well-priced mailer. It's just not, you have to do it. Mm -hmm. You have to do some version of this to be really, really successful at a, a real high level uh, if you want to make it, make it work. And, and, and it, you know what surprises me about this is the, uh, the amount of times that it works. A 50%, I, I'm way removed from it, but I think 50% is low. Oh, thank you. It could be higher. You know, it's it's funny you brought up that situation because I can remember one in particular where I had that exact situation. It's like, wait a minute. It was my $5,000 guy too, by the way. Um, he's like, I had another offer for 20. I'm like, great, take it. <laughs> I said, do you think it's still going to be 20 by the time does the person does all the recon and then stuff like I just did? And I'm, I'm in it. I'm ready to go. He's like, yeah, you're right. I said, and that was the, that was the let me sleep on it guy. And he took my five over the one for 20. Cause I said, you, you and I both know that that 20 is too much. My 30 was way too much kind of thing. So by the time that person looks at it and figures it out and all that stuff, and you have me right now, you know, Bob, I'm ready to go. Mm -hmm. My checkbook is open. Yeah. I say this stuff. I am ready to go. My checkbook is open. I will do this for you. You can count on me, but it's mm -hmm. 13. 
and they're like I'll take your 13 I said okay and they have that's it and you brought it up it's because I because they trust me and they believe in me and why because mm-hmm. I'm talking to them like a real person and we're having a conversation and I'm not making fluff and I'm not slimy and all of that and if it doesn't work it doesn't work I go okay yeah. I wish you all the best that's what's and that's then, the key you know, there what we don't track really yeah. is how many people then call you back six months later and say yeah. you know I try to get it done with this other person they don't really tell you that, that they just happens. call back and say you know what we decided to take your offer yep and they probably went up and down the path with somebody yep. else that sent them a mailer they couldn't get it done yep who knows why maybe they're part of the land geek group and they don't know how to do deals correctly <laughs> not sure I was going to say that a different way, but I was thinking the same thing. Because in Land Academy, that's one nice thing about Land Academy and our group is that you guys are smart. You know how to get a deal all the way done the right way and to talk to these people. And that's why you're here. Jill and I go way back with Mark. We're just horsing around. Mark's got a a pretty good program from what I hear. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Let's take a look at one of our favorite land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday member webinar. Grayson County, Texas, would you do this deal? 6.19 acres, uh, accepted offer price, $175,000. Thinks he could sell it for 285. Yes, access, yes, affordable, he says. Yes, adjacent, commercially zoned, highway visible, water and power available, acreage, trees, flat, buildable, hour and a half to Dallas, and they're alive. Cool, these are the six A's, this is perfect. Owner bought the property, 20 years ago, attending to put a hospital on it, he ended up putting it in a larger town to the south. My question, honestly, is access here. Yeah, well, right there. Is this access? Is there a guardrail? Because this is a re- very residential neighborhood. See, this is uh, what's going on across the street here. Mm-hmm. They've got access here and, and access there. here. So they do. This is a Texas Dallas thing. Yeah, I mean, that's all road. Texas, but yeah, oh, these frontage roads Jesus, like run all over this the place. the greatest access ever. Yeah, I like it. I love it. Okay, so it just I just need to make the map. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love this deal. That's it. So you said zone commercial? Okay. So what's your loop net numbers? Is your 285 a loop net number? And or have you talked to anybody, a commercial person in that area? Because that would be my first phone call. Me too. Got it. Because maybe it's worth more. Mm-hmm, I bet it is. 40 acres of ag, 1.1 million. 15. How big is this? 15. We're six acres. 15 acres commercial. So this, this is, is a really unique property. And yeah. it's tough to value this the way that we usually value it. You need a commercial person who's got a lot of commercial experience. Can you open that up? Which, even though it doesn't have a photo in there. Yeah, I think we should look at more than land here. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Can you get a sun smaller? Talk to these people. Mm-hmm. This is where I would, this is my next call, Doug. So it's get a signed purchase agreement if you don't have one in your hand. I might even open escrow because I can always back out later. Just get it started. Just get an escrow number, lock it in. Then start calling these commercial brokers because that's who's going to sell this for you anyway. This is not the kind of property I'm going to put on a Facebook marketplace and expect to sell it. (laughs) Maybe TikTok, maybe. Just kidding. <laughs> but this is not that kind of a thing. So this is a stand-up triple, most likely. Yeah. Maybe a home run. I would get this under contract. I would drop, I would get off this call if you don't have this under contract and get it under contract. It's two hours later in Texas. Okay. So, so get up morning. early tomorrow morning. <laughs> or an hour later. It's 4 30 in Texas. They may not jump up and down, but it's a great piece of dirt and a great opportunity. 
And now it just becomes digging around to find something wrong with the, with the land. Mm -hmm. This is what makes it so interesting because or somebody already out saw, you know, saw the, saw the value of the location. I would buy this all day. I would buy this mm -hmm. almost just to see what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's the new dollar general location for that area. Or whatever. Or yeah. Great deal. Great way to start up a call yeah. too. Doug, if you need any, any help with this, let us know. Joe, Joe will gladly help you. I'll write that check. <laughs> do you want to learn more about us and what we do and learn more about Land Academy? Get our free ebook. It is awesome. It tells our whole backstory and gives you all kinds of insight to what we're talking about, about sending offers and getting this data and, and pricing these offers and, and how this all works. So go to landacademy.com and download the free ebook. And then horse around there. There's all kinds of great stuff there. You can see the back end of our Discord group. You can, you know, see testimonials from some of our members. There's just tons of information there. Hey, don't forget about offers to owners. True. Jill and I have a full-blown commercial printing company to fulfill uh, your order for sending offers out to uh, owners like we talk about on the show all the time. It's the nucleus of our business. So uh, check out offers, the number two owners.com. They have specials and promos going on there all the time. Let's take another question posted by one of our members on the Land Academy Discord online community again. If you want a sneak peek at the Discord channel, which I really highly recommend, please go to landacademy.com and check it all out in, uh, let's call it read-only um, format. Uh, format. It's free. All right, so here's another question. Clay wrote, I received a signed purchase agreement via email yesterday and responded with thank you and a simple question about the property. I also called them since they had provided their phone number in the email as well. They responded saying they didn't want to sell anymore because I was fishing and I should already know about the property already. <laughs> That's hilarious. Has, has anyone which, ever... <laughs> to which I say, great work because you, you did your job sending the offer out. Because yeah. if you do you send these offers out correctly, I don't mean to interrupt you, but if you send these offers out correctly, they think that you only sent one offer. Yeah, not, that's true. Not 70,000. That's true. Has anyone ever had something similar happen to them? Any advice when it comes to receiving signed purchase agreements via email? Also, I'm curious if there is possibly a better way to approach a situation like this through email in the future. Thanks. I'm kind of curious what the question was, because if the question was zoning or something like it, it should be something like, um, it should be, if it's something that you could have reconned on by calling the county or looking up yourself in parcel fact or something, then that's true. But if it's something like, it looks like there was a mobile on there, is a mobile still exists, then that guy has an attitude problem and you seem to maybe come at it another way. I would call him and just say, you know what? You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, not right there and I'm, I'm not able to do a drive-by this week. So that's why I'm asking you, is the mobile still there and is anybody in it? You know, and that's there's fair. There's different cultures. There are very different cultures around this country. And when somebody receives an offer for a value for their property that they think is less than what is in their head, it could be fiction. True. They're going to respond certain ways. A lot of it's based on the cultural area that they live in. If you know, people in the, I'm from the Midwest, so I can say this very directly. Everybody has to argue and scream in the Midwest about everything. And then 10 minutes later, if it goes okay and everybody plays the little chicken game, then everyone's friends and you might get a deal done. But there's arguing first. 
in the West Coast, everybody hugs first, yes. then they talk it through and the deal may or may not get done. This explains, welcome to my life, by the way. <laughs> in the Northeast, nothing gets done because everyone's angry for no reason at all. I think it's the weather. And in the South, that's mostly compiled of people that were sick of the Northeast. And so they have a little bit of that going on, but you might get a deal done in, let's say, Florida or, God forbid, North Carolina. So you have to gauge this. I'm half joking here. You have to gauge uh, what this response is. You know, why did somebody sign an offer, seemingly take a picture or scan it in and send it to you via email saying they want to do the deal? They, uh, you said, yeah, okay, cool, let's do the deal. But I need to know uh, if you have physical and legal access. And that sends them, sends them into the, to the situation where they don't want to do the deal. Right. Then you have to have what Jill has, the talent that Jill was seemingly born with, which amazes me on a daily basis, that sense of, all right, I want to buy this property for the right price has to kick in. My, my innate innate response to that situation is, cool, we're not doing the deal. Yeah, I'm going to open the next one. Okay. Her innate response to that situation is, what's going to take to get this deal done? If I offended you with this question, you know, I do have a few more questions. Where would you like me to get these answered so we can actually get you a check in the mail? Exactly. Yeah. You signed it for a reason, you know, kind of thing. I love it. Sometimes no doesn't mean no. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I, I loved your thing. Sometimes people are just cranky. Maybe you had a bad day. Yeah. Who knows? It could be something. Or, you know, my, you know what my other gut instinct on that was? Like, what if there's something glaringly wrong that he's, like, trying to push this through and, like, intimidate you to do the deal? Like, watch me. This thing's not worth anything. She's going to get the upper hand, Jillis. Oh, yeah. That's just how it is. I just need to know the truth. And then I'm going to make a decision. That's it. Look, they're not engaging you unless they want to sell it. Yeah. No matter how mad they are. Totally. They want to sell the he property. He wouldn't have done that. They're just disappointed. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Today's second topic is what's holding you back from accomplishing your goals? This is a really, really important topic because I feel like I have a lot of personal experience uh, in this, you know, I didn't, I didn't walk out of uh, college and then got a light bulb over my head and said, hey, well, I should buy and sell land. <laughs> and we should do it out west because it's cheaper and easier and I don't think it's as, as uh, prevalent as it is in the Midwest. No, you have to push yourself uh, out, of your way, out, of, out of your own way and really look at what you want to accomplish and why and how and, uh, and map it all out. You know, mm -hmm. I would love for you to do this topic with you. Do it. Well, ask me some questions. So have you ever been, you know, what's held you back, if anything? Huh. Uh, that's, that's a good question. You know what? It's funny. I do not suffer from this. And I think it's because I, for whatever reason, have a lot of confidence. Well, did you accomplish? I'm not afraid you know, of anything. You worked for American Airlines for what, 18 years? Mm -hmm. And I worked in a public accounting uh, and did all kinds of stuff that I did not want to do uh, at the time, nor would I ever go back to. So that did, that did, helped me accomplish you? my goal. You know what my goal was back then? <laughs> well, in goof off and travel. <laughs> So it wasn't money driven? No, it wasn't money driven. Wow, I don't I've no. never known no. a single minute in my entire life where it hasn't been money driven. No. Are you kidding? I just wanted a job that I could afford to travel and I had all the benefits. So come on, my first trip of myself, I went to Greece. I mean with my girlfriend, I'm like, this is the greatest thing on the planet. So that's what we would do every weekend. Uh, you know, my friends 
people we would go to london for for saturday night and come right back i've done that too because <laughs> you could times, actually so and, and especially back then too we would get we would get first class tickets and you would get uh it was like confirmed seating kind of thing like because they wanted you to know the experience and wanted you just you could sell the product so why would again had the flight to london was you know sometimes more fun than in first class than the london part of it <laughs> so like this is great i haven't eaten so well like this in a while so no that was that was my goal you know i i think the difference is for me though i have set i don't set crazy 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 five million dollars in my bank account in one year goal i wouldn't do that my goals are like i'm gonna lose weight i'm gonna get in this size and it's attainable not i'm gonna be a supermodel or i'm gonna be a jockey yeah. <laughs> you know like not attainable so i i always pick attainable goals but stuff that you know i gotta work at it and you know by the end of this year i want to be able to take this trip i want to afford to do this and i want to pay off my car you know something like that those are my goals. Um, I want to not worry about my mortgage. I want to, you know, have kid college funds started, all that stuff. So, but then, and then getting to those goals, to me, I don't, I set it out, I have it in my head, and it's always on my mind, and I don't beat myself up when I fall down. I think that's a lot of it, because I know a lot of people that are like, well, Okay, there's day seven. It's January 7th, and I've eaten like crap all seven days because I had the flu, and then this, and I was traveling, fill in the blank. Not gonna happen. Nah, I'm just sucking, it's not, it's not for me. Like, no, so what? Pick it up, pick it up the very next day, pick it up the very next hour, you know? You've heard me talk about, um, or may or may not heard me talk about, do you wanna be a land investor? Well, great. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, you are a land investor. That's how I want you to think. You're gonna get up in the morning, you're gonna start having it in your head, you're gonna start making decisions just as if you you are a land investor. And why are you not? I mean, this is my crazy confidence. Who's gonna tell me I'm not? I mean, I'm making my website. I decided today I'm a land investor. You know, I'm gonna get a hat made. And I'm gonna start getting my website done and this, this, and this, and this. This is all stuff that we do in Land Academy. And there's no reason you can't just go like that here's some things that i've heard people say in this past about okay. why they can't accomplish what they want okay i don't have enough money <clears throat> that's a big one for me i'm not smart enough uh i don't have enough time okay i'm listening <clears throat> I'm, too, I'm too busy with uh i'm too busy with i have two little kids i can't do that i don't have time i'm a mom i'm a single mom these are things i've heard from directly from people for years and years and years all that means to me is that's <clears throat> at, at up to that point in your life somebody's been telling you you're not smart enough uh you know maybe you weren't the best student that doesn't mean you're not smart enough to do this at all i wasn't the best student and so you have to uh either overcome these things with a will to succeed which you know is roots from some type of confidence yeah. and believing that whatever was told to you up to that point you know, yeah, you just don't believe it. Yeah, I am smart enough. Yeah, you are. I might not be smart enough to be a surgeon. In the end, I probably am. Yeah. I'm just not really willing to You're put in, put to into what it. it takes to to be that. That's it. I'm convinced that all these things. You, okay, I love it. Smart, money, and time. I'm convinced they are all. They are all accomplishable. You're just not motivated to do Especially it. To, There's some to reason buy you're not like, man, yeah, I don't want to work that hard. Okay, yeah. let's just be honest. That you don't want to work that hard. That I can understand. 
whatever it is, you know, and money. I don't have the money, I can't start this. So what? So wait six months, save it up, do it, get another job, get a, you know, do something else. Um, I used to coach long, long in a past life, another job. I would talk to kids about, they want to go back to college and they didn't have a lot of money. And I'm like, okay, what? And it, well, actually back then it was, uh, my favorite was like UTI and MMI, I worked for that school anyway and these guys are all car guys like what's stopping you from starting your own uh detail company by the way i know car detailers they make a good good money we pay well kind of thing what's stopping you from on your weekends and evenings or early mornings having your own little car detailing company it's your own little business by the way you're gonna learn a lot from that and you're gonna get some great income coming in and you get to set your own hours so this is not you know it's just one example but and so what whatever you come up with or whatever it takes picking up hours getting a second job selling something changing something in your life so you have more money that's an easy one by the way maybe i don't need to have a two-bedroom apartment all to myself in downtown san diego huh yeah that might be a way that you could get money in your bank account so that's right a now. result that whole thing is very popular with younger people and yeah. that is a direct result of Why is consuming popular culture oh. to a point where for I just read something just this guy got roasted really bad for saying if you don't have a Lamborghini in your 20s then that what? yeah and so oh. it was very it went viral and then he just yeah. they, somebody pulled they pulled it down that's that is, that's the kind of message that will uh, that that will end you uh, you will end up defeated because it's not realistic and not. who cares anyway yeah you know if you want a lamborghini which i understand yeah then do it in your 50s yeah when everybody's college is paid for and yeah. your house is paid for and you saved and, up you worked hard that was your goal yeah I and you had it and you put it in your mind that you're going to get a lamborghini by the time you're 48 or some yeah. obvious number after your other responsibilities in life are are all and i mean responsibilities to yourself right about a paid for house or, or whatever they end up being exactly you're gonna set your own goals here and setting blank, Jill's exactly right. Setting blank goals about being a supermodel is silly. Yeah. Setting a goal to buy, to make $180,000 this year, uh, buying and selling land part-time is crazy, crazy accomplishable. And then increasing that to 300,000 in the next year. And then maybe after 36 months of doing this, quitting your WJ2 job so that you can make a consistent three to $500,000 a year because you know what you're doing mm -hmm. is very, very realistic. And yeah. honestly, and it's honest, and it doesn't take a ton of time or to do it. Right. You know, setting an, a goal like within the next eight months, getting a novel completed part time, getting up before your kids do, or, or doing it after they go to school, or something like that. Very, very accomplishable right. and potentially very profitable. Maybe writing software mm -hmm. right in the same the same exact way and selling a, a portion of it or all of it uh, as an exit strategy. Those are all accomplishing, accomplishable goals. I know this for sure. What, what holds me back at this point in my life in my 50s from accomplishing goals that I have is that I hate what I'm doing. Mm. I have the, uh, <laughs> the confidence to do it. I know what I'm capable of and what I'm not capable of. But things change over time. And if I'm not interested in doing it, then you're not I'll make reasons. <clears throat> Jill and I are famous for this. There's a bunch of stuff that Jill loves mm -hmm. about buying and selling land and running Land Academy, and there's some stuff that she doesn't. And it's real obvious what she doesn't like. And this is a, and I could be describing myself, it's the same thing. And so 
what we do together is to work on um, either hiring people to do that part of the business for us or eliminating it. Mm-hmm. So th- th- that's what our honestly what our goals are right now. Our goals yeah. are not so much financial any longer because we've True. long accomplished those, uh, both with land and, and everything else that we're involved in. What's I'm interested in more now is is uh, applying myself where I'm most effective and removing the stuff that I don't want to do. Exactly, that's really really good. You, if you're more, if you, I want to, I want to add to to this about um, these goals that we're talking about. If you, like, you brought up that 180, we're going to work with 180 a year. Maybe that's your goal. I'm going to join Land Academy, learn how to do this. I hear all these guys making a lot more than that. Let's just even just say a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, hundred. I want to make a hundred thousand dollars doing it this year. That's going to show me this is possible it's gonna catch i can breathe and then after next year if this i can maybe i'll start looking at replacing my day job you know if that's what you want kind of thing so so walking around going hundred thousand i gotta get hundred you can't now you can't look at it like that now you got to break it up and make it into attainable and this is in our equity planner which you're going to do coming up in a couple weeks a thing um for our new members that just joined too. But in Land Academy, we have an equity planner sheet that we share with everybody and we talk about often, especially the beginning of the year. What are your goals? You want 100,000, let's divide that up. How much is that a month? Great. Now, how hard do you want to work? Do you want to do one deal a month, two deals a month, four deals a month? What's your threshold? You know, because the more deals you do, the less you need to make on each deal. When you back into that, you could look at like, I don't have to work that hard. If I do one deal a month and they each net $10,000, well, heck, there's my $100,000. Netting $10,000 a deal in this world that we're in is really, really easy. Yeah. So that's a, and that will show you what's possible. Then, then, then now you know. All right, now next year, do I want to double that? Mm-hmm. Do I want to quadruple that? <laughs> or you know, if I do four deals a month now, now I'm at four hundred thousand dollars a year. Huh? Look at that. And you notice I have some wiggle room in there too. Maybe two months you were you didn't you know you're busy. I don't know. You you have some wiggle room there. So this is this is really good. I think the place to start about accomplishing your goals is to really sit down and have an honest conversation with yourself about what you want, what you're actually interested in, and what you know you're capable of. Yeah. And and if the answer is, well, I don't really want anything, and I'm capable of being a stay-at-home mom, and that's that's exactly what I want to do oh, yeah. until the kids go to school, then you're good. That's true. But if there's something else that you you feel like you need to accomplish, well, whoever you are, or whatever, or maybe you know you don't like your job. That, that's a easily the most popular. You know that happened. That's why we're here. That's mm-hmm. why Jill and I are here because yep. we didn't like our jobs. Nope. That is very changeable. Totally. You know, and I'll never forget when I left my job to do this full time with you, and I got into it. And I, and I transitioned from, you know, this is, there's a lot of moving parts, let's be honest. You know, and again, that's what Land Academy is for. We teach you and walk you all the way through this stuff. But, um, you know, when I transitioned, I just knew that this is where, this was my goal, being my own boss. That's probably it. Cause that's part of my own boss. I could, my, my time, if I don't want to work today, I don't have to work today, mm-hmm. you know, big deal. So, um, I, I, um, I knew, like I had a conversation with myself and I didn't even realize I did it till later, but my conversation was, I will never go 
<laughs> Me too, Jill. I, it's if funny. I, if it comes down and there were times years ago, you guys know this, have been with us for a while. Boy, there were times, there were rough Me times too. during last downturn where it was you and me, baby, yep. you know, and, uh, we didn't have a staff. We didn't have an office. You're buying it. You're, you're doing them. I'm buying it. I'm selling them. We're keeping food on the table. I'm like, I don't care. I do not care. If it comes down to you and me, I know we could have a nice life. I made partner at the accounting firm where I was and I told him to go pound sand. <laughs> and so, and that was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. And I went and uh, took some money that I uh, made from buying and selling long-term care facilities and applied it to this. If you read the ebook, it's all in there, the Land Academy ebook. And that, and I, that was it too. So my goal, I didn't know it when I was younger, but my actual goal was to not work. Yeah. And I don't mean go to the beach every day at all. That's, that's not what I mean. <laughs> I just mean to be in control of my own time. Yeah, that's You know, true. Jill was, uh, I learned today that she just worked at American Airlines for 18 years, eight hours a day. Huh? Uh, and all the crap that goes on with that type of position back then, just so she could travel. I was having fun. So she didn't want to work there. She just wanted the, the fringe benefit. Ding, ding. <laughs> so I never wanted to work anywhere either. I just wanted the money. Mm -hmm. And I and it worked and I got it and I learned a lot. So yeah, in the end, we made a lot less money. You know, I did extremely well through the 2000s, like like on the back of a yacht, literally a well. Yeah. And that downturn brought me to my knees financially. And uh, and Jill and I worked back our way back from there and yeah, it worked. Did. So Thanks. it just had, takes a sense of confidence and an actual interest. I'm actually interested in land. I think mm -hmm. you are too. I love it. You know, I am not interested in renovating houses. Nope. I'm not interested in, uh, which I'll talk about, which today's Wednesday, uh, talk about, well, I talked about it on the Thursday call last month or last week, the webinar about why buying a trailer park or a multi-unit, a multi-tenant build, building right now just pales yeah. financially in a comparison for buying and selling land. You know, why buying a house and renting it out? I, I went through the numbers, extensively went through the numbers to, to show you why. There's no better real estate business that I can think of than buying and selling land. And I'm not trying to sell anything here, mm -hmm. but if, it's, if this is, whatever's holding you back, just get a hold of it and deal with it. Otherwise, you're going to be five years from now, you're going to be saying the same thing. Perfect. Let's take a look at another one of our favorite land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday member webinar. We have a Would You Do This Deal, Putnam County, Florida. Um, offer price, ah, I like this. Patsy offered $6,254.15 and then knocked it down to five grand. I like that. So that's where they're at. Um, I think she can get 20. It's 1.48 acres located in Ashley Lake Plantation. Some vacant lots are adjacent. This is not that bad for Florida. No, it's good. I'm actually liking this. I, I like it's not like just a, it's not like one little lot in a sea of with all these lots where there's nothing. So this is, this is good. It's like somebody said in career path, north of Orlando is you're better, better off cool. wetland wise. Okay. Um, let's see, two mile pond, mainly vacant residential lot with an old concrete slab on it. Oh, a septic tank and a well. This is all great. This is like bonus. Mm -hmm. um, they're alive. Seller needs to sell ASAP for it's put into tax sale auction. I love these. Wow. Okay. So what are the back taxes? Yeah, there's back taxes. Okay. Um, currently, it's only 281. Is it 281 total or per year? You want to make sure. 
call them because sometimes they don't know to go, oh, I'm sorry. You mean more than owed for 2022? Like, yeah, I need to know all the years, you know, together. Hopefully that might be all of it. There's no HOA. No HOA. Um, waiting to know if there's any outstanding tax certificates. Even oh, if it's it outside is. the flood zone. Even if it is, if they haven't paid tax, they bought the property in 2015. I'm getting a little ahead, but you know, there's not a lot of back taxes if they're 281 a year. You know, that's good. That's true. We scroll down the rest of the stuff she put in there. Probably sold at a tax deed sale, and then resold using a quick claim mm -hmm. deed. Um, is that how she got it? Yeah. Okay. Here's some comps. Sheesh. Thank you, Patsy. Nice Patsy's work. doing our homework here. How big is it? Patsy deserves to be with Sam and I in Land Academy ladies that we're bringing back. I like how you roll. It's a, uh, what did I, I forgot? 1.4, one and a half acres. I'm totally, I, I'm not right now, Patsy, looking for something wrong. Me too. I would totally buy it. Let's just see though. Let's, <laughs> let's just see. These are sold properties. These numbers are looking, there's numbers are supporting it. I'm trying to find the exact spot. 700 foot, uh, foot structure on it too. That's just a, a strange case. I, I would that buy this. That could not be real. I would, buy, I would buy this. I would too. Hey, for five grand? Five for five, probably sell for 15 is a little bit more realistic. In this screenshot, there's 26 properties uh, sold and you've got four active. 50, 18 is the lowest. I would buy it. Mm -hmm. Especially because it's got the utilities on it. If it was just vacant, oh, total. Okay. you're going to have to deal with, you're, it's going to be tough to get title insurance on this. So there's you're going to have to give, provide a discount for that. But you had the story down. Mm -hmm. 2021, 19, 18. Oh, it's cleared. Hmm. This is 16, 15, 12. Hmm. I do kind of see something in the back left. 11 here. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other guys on the other side there. Yeah. Eight, there it is. Now, is that just a pad though? There might've been something there. It's flipping cool. 1999 when Joe's in high school. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he can turn. there's something there. That's what I think. And that's 2021. This is cool. You know, um, one of the things too, which is great, I would do this soon, Patsy. Um, pay a couple hundred bucks, have someone go out there yeah. and uh, get some pictures and get your drone stuff and everything. Because A, it's going to help you feel great about it, you know, or not, just to make sure, like, oh, you know, but I think you're going to love it. And then now you got that out of the way too. So that's super cool. Good job. Jill, I think you have something inspirational to share uh, with us today. Yep. I just wanted to talk a few minutes about the value of this community and the value of a, of a successful land community. You know, it's kind of funny when we first, uh, I was talking to someone about this the other day, when we first started Land Academy, um, it was because people asked for it. They're like, we had people going, can you tell me what you're doing? Can you teach me what you're doing? Can you teach me what you're doing? It was our buyers. They bugged us enough to teach them what we're doing. And I'm like, okay, I can't keep repeating the same thing over our and land, over again. Our land buyers. Yeah, our land buyers. Our other investors kept going, I need you to tell me your secrets. You got to go get the data. You got to do this. You got to do that. They're like, oh. So we did Land Academy. So here we are. The month we launched, here come some questions. And they're like, we we want to connect with you. We want to connect with other people doing this. So I'm like, brilliant. You're right. This one very nicely sent me to California, made a website. <laughs> Had a different name. Now it's evolved into, now it's a Discord. But the, the, the point of it is there's so much experience combined now. This online community now is eight years running. 
with so much combined experience, not just us too, but everybody else. Am I in every single county and every single state right now today doing a deal? Heck no, I wouldn't lie and say I was. So if you need something in that part of the whatever, there's good chance there's somebody in Discord right now that can help you and someone in our land academy community can help you. And I, and I love and appreciate how generous and helpful and welcoming uh, our community is. You know, when we did our first live event in Southern California a couple years ago, I remember people going, yay, you know, I talked to these people. It's so nice to see them and meet them. You know, it's, I'm not on an island. No, you're not on an island. You know, we're all, we're all doing this together. And we all have our own individual companies, which is great. So we're not competing with each other. We're all helping each other. Because in the end too, someone probably helped them. Someone was always a step ahead of them. And so now, which was probably us, we help them, they help you, and you're gonna help somebody else. And whether it's knowledge or deal funding, there's a lot of that going on too. This community is packed full of like-minded people with goals just like you. Did you wanna to add to that? <laughs> what, how do you add to that? <laughs> Aww. All right, Jack, do you have something informational you would like to share? My topic today is business 101. Okay. And I think that a lot of this gets overlooked. I think uh, people come to us maybe brand new uh, from not really experiencing any type of business. So I want to go over a few terms and concepts of that really helped me back in the day. And then if you're, if you're more established, uh, and you've had a business or you've been like, let's say, a court, for whatever reason, we have a lot of career retired or maybe at the tail end of their career, corporate salespeople. Uh, you know, there's, there's just there's some good information here to think about maybe how you're going to you could potentially change your already existing land business. Your business needs to make money. This is good stuff. If it doesn't make money. It's a hobby. And hobbies are expensive, but you're here to make money. And that's the first thing they teach you in accounting. You are here as an accountant to create shareholder wealth. So let me translate for you, that for you. If you're a public accountant, you're brand new, you're working 80 hours a week and your client is Tesla because it's a public, uh, a publicly traded company. Your job is a, as a junior accountant for a publicly, for a, a big accounting firm, is to create shareholder wealth that gets completely overlooked and undiscussed, especially in this environment where that we're in now, where shareholder wealth is uh, it's celebrated but despised for some reason in many, many, many circles. So you're here to make money, and as an accountant for Tesla, it's a lot harder to do that than it is to buy a property for thirty thousand dollars and sell it for sixty. You're in a community like that. You have a decision as a as in business to either make something or buy it. It's called the make classic make buy decision. Uh, a person who owns a manufacturing company buys raw materials. They machine it somehow. They injection mold it. They cast it, and then they they do it. Hopefully, a, a ton of them because they're filling an order. And that raw material, the cost of of the the equity that they generated from themselves, they they're making money because they made something. Mm -hmm. Or in a case of let's say a television. All the components that went into it, the value of them altogether working as a television is worth more than the components on their own just sitting uh, on a desk, let's say. 
That's the make decision. Or you can buy something and improve it, which is what we do. You can buy real estate for a very inexpensive price and resell it, create some equity for yourself, which is our business model. Or you can buy a piece of real estate and improve it, creating equity and selling it. It's a make-buy decision. Think of McDonald's. You're taking in all this raw material in the back. You're creating hamburgers. You're utilizing all the years and decades of marketing and selling hamburgers. You made something. You have fixed and variable costs. This is one of my favorites. Think of McDonald's. McDonald's has to build a building, put all kinds of uh, equipment in place. They have to staff. They've got to put people, uh, train people. They've got to put in playlands or whatever else they're going to do long before that first person walks through the door to buy a, a hamburger for $1.50. Those are all fixed costs, all of them. The only variable costs in McDonald's are the food itself. So they're very heavily fixed costs. Think of a manufacturing facility. They've got to go lease space, buy huge uh, multi-million dollar machinery, and then they have to go, once they're ready to make parts, go uh, take in bids or, or whatever. There's a lot of fixed costs and upfront costs. Everybody loves variable costs. The variable cost for us, by and large, is buying that actual piece of land, buying a land for $30,000, we know it's worth 60. Mm -hmm. So all we're doing, the vast majority of the money we're spending, a fixed cost could arguably could be your phone or your computer in our business and potentially the mail. There's a chance that you know, you're sending out 5,000, I don't know how this would happen, but you're sending out 5,000 letters a month and you're just not generating any revenue. So from a fixed variable cost analysis, buying and selling land is crazy favorable compared to a convenience store, McDonald's, or a manufacturing facility. Convenience store is another one. You got to put all this stuff in place. You got to get signs made. You have to hire staff and you're, you know, then you're buying ho-hos and you get all that money back at about, you know, $1.50 at a time. It's a tough business. You are in control of your assets and the more control that you have over assets, and this is including capital. Capital meaning stuff that makes you money. One of those things is actual money. But the other things that would arguably, what's capital in our business? Jill's capital. Mm -hmm. Jill can take a deal that, uh, you know, this is a very valuable asset for us. Jill can take a transaction that otherwise most people wouldn't get done and make it a deal. How do you place value on that? That's extraordinary when you truly think about it. And so you. you might have extraordinary capital, access to capital. And the more assets and capital that you control, uh, this is capitalism 101. The more, and this is what governments try to do, they try to control assets and nonprofits do. And nonprofits are not in the business of making money, which is a, a government. They're in the business of increasing their assets. And they only can do that by, that's what hospitals do. They don't make money, they just increase their asset value. To what end, I'm not sure. That's why I don't work for a nonprofit hospital anymore. You need to think about controlling the assets and how much capital you have access to and utilizing it correctly. If you have $80,000 in the bank, you join Land Academy, you spend some money on education, great choice. You, uh, you, you spend a lot of time in a Discord channels and learn everything. You get a mailer out, now you spend a few thousand dollars on a mailer, great choice. You're utilizing your capital and your assets, you're controlling them. You reel a couple of deals in, 
darn, you don't have the actual money because it's costing more than 50 or 60 or $70,000 that you have left. You control going on a Discord to gain capital, somebody else's capital, to get the deal done. And so now you've taken on a partner, you have a little less control because you're taking on somebody else's capital. But in the end, if it goes okay, I, I constantly, I was in Discord earlier this morning, constantly, the success number of success stories in Discord is, is pretty amazing. It's awesome. Customer concentration. You never wanna have one customer. This, uh, this crushes the, crushes manufacturing. For some reason, that business, once it, the manufacturing businesses get rolling, they find one or two parts that are very profitable and one customer wants a ton of them, and so it becomes 80% of their business. So they're making parts for one, one let's say, assembly uh, client or customer, and they stop ordering it one month. Like Toyota. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, or, or a, a company that supplies Toyota, and you make one of the components that go in the alternator, let's say. Right. And so they have a bad year or, you know, and not in Toyota's case, but a lot of companies in Detroit just go out of business because they're mismanaged and 80% of your revenue one month is, is uh, gone. Yeah. You do not want customer concentration. Do we have customer concentration? Hell no. We have, every time we send out 70,000, uh, 7,000 offers, let's say, we have 7,000 potential customers. Right. Our customer concentration in this business couldn't be any better. Basic accounting including budget, uh, budgeting and eventually income tax management needs to be something that's addressed. If you're brand new, it doesn't need to be addressed at all. If you're at a level in your career where we are, income tax is our largest expense. Income tax is larger than, uh, than uh, well, cost of goods sold is our largest expense, which is land. But our second largest expense, way more than payroll, is tax. Mm -hmm. And it's something that you need to be aware of and it needs to be in the back of your head uh, right from minute one before you start this. If it's something that makes you want to vomit, and honestly, taxes make me want to vomit. Yeah. Getting to taxes, not so much, but you need to be aware of it and it needs to be managed. And I've said this on the air many times, otherwise it's gonna manage you. It's very hard for people to digest this accounting and budgeting and tax thing because we have all been trained, and this is not any accident, and I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist here. Whoever dreamt up paying taxes out of your paycheck, your W-2 paycheck, and then filing a tax return, and then getting money back, and if you watch people that are just career W-2 people, they just love you know that part time of the year because they get a three, four, five, eight thousand $8,000 check on money that they already paid in. And they say, thank you. Thank you, federal government, for giving money back. Giving me my money back. It's my money. Exactly. Why do you? And so I, uh... if you own your own business, you you have to turn that switch off in your head that right. we, all of us have been so uh, trained to do, unfortunately. Because right. you're going to be writing big checks if you don't do that. Yeah. We've, been, we've done this. Sales is not optional. I, I've, the biggest rest, reason restaurants fail is because they do it exactly everything wrong. They go into it saying, I have my mom's recipe and my grandmother's recipe for meatballs, and there's no way this restaurant can fail. Well, guess what? It failed. Because you didn't have anybody selling. You didn't have any marketing program. Sales are, I learned this the hard way. I used to laugh at people uh, when I was in college, laugh at people who were marketing, who have a, got, were getting marketing degrees. 
in my head saying, well, if I make the perfect part, because I grew up in a manufacturing environment, if I make the perfect part, it's going to sell itself. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, I'm you know just going to sit on the corner and wait for them to find me. <laughs> you know, Mary Kay's class, Mary Kay Cosmetics is classic for saying this sentence, which I think every there should never be another sales module in anything that's taught without this concept. Sales drives everything. Yeah. First, you sell it, and then you place the order. We'll go make the order. Yeah, we'll go make it after you sell it. I I think that's the, the simplest, most yep. genius thing I've ever heard. Yep. It all starts with sales. Everything. It's not an option. If you don't, if you're not uh, as good at sales, find somebody who is. Everything needs to work on paper first. This is a huge mistake that people make. That's what the equity planner is. I'm going to, I want to make $100,000 a year and I want to do eight or 10 deals. Okay, good. I've got to do, I've got to make about $12,000 net for each deal. And I only want to buy for 30 and sell for 60. That's good. It's $20,000. Very accomplishable. Let's take all that. We just did it all on paper. That was your whole budget right there. And it, it seems to work. Now let's go do what Jack uh, says. And we're going to start trolling for property. We're going to find areas. We're going to send some mail out. Now you have a plan. You have a whole business plan right there. How many people do you know have never opened a spreadsheet who own businesses? Never. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to get my accountant to look at that. Totally. It's shocking that it works for even a week. Exactly. It all has to be spreadsheeted out and, and work first. If you hate spreadsheets, a lot of people do. Find somebody like me that that doesn't hate them. Mm-hmm. Before you start anything, or before you continue to operate your uh, business for better or for worse, you need to really take a real solid look at what your risk threshold is. Every I can't talk about risk without uh, Jill doesn't even know this without thinking about my own mother. Oh. I've never met anyone in my life to this day who has a lower threshold for risk mm-hmm. than my mother. She drove 55 miles an hour on the right lane. Uh, she never broke a rule in her life. She uh, she only ever wanted us to go to college and get a job at General Motors and hopefully uh, rise up through the ranks and live a, a quiet little life. She never, starting a business to her was it meant a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. So if you're one of those people, that's cool. You know, if you're, we're the exact opposite, Joe. Our threshold for risk is cuckoo. Is cuckoo, and it gets us in trouble. Yeah. I don't think buying and selling land is risky at all. Mm -mm. I think starting a manufacturing facility is very risky. Mm -hmm. I think buying a manufacturing uh, facility that fits all the criteria that we're talking about here, customer concentration and all of that for a rational price, stepping into the shoes of the old owner and making improvements is very low risk. Startups are very risky. That's why the reward's so great. I have a handful of friends who, for whatever reason, were original investors and not original, but uh, you know, early investors in Apple and they don't do anything anymore at all. For me, you know the risk. There's a risk reward in that. There's a huge risk. How many? How many? How much stock did they actually buy in different companies too, where they lost their ass? Startups are risky. This is not a startup. You know, Land Academy is not a startup. We've already done it all. Mm-hmm. You're just buying into it. 
you're stepping into our shoes and doing it for yourself. Yep. Staffing and recruiting. This is the bane. Staffing and recruiting is the bane of everyone, every business owner is managing employees. It's been that way since the beginning. Uh, I can't imagine, cannot imagine what the industrialists of the early uh, 20th century dealt with when unions became a thing. Did unions change the world for the better? Yeah, they did. That's just my personal opinion. Are they appropriate everywhere? Absolutely not. What they are is expensive. But are you making a better product? The answer to that, we'll never know. There's pros and cons to unions, but it's dealing with labor and dealing and, and dealing with that as a business owner, you're eventually going to have to do that. And it could, if it gets out of control, it manifests itself into too many sick days. And that, that stuff can really bog you down. So you need to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. The good news is this, we have never, this entire world has never experienced the, the outsourcing of labor to this degree of success ever, like Fiverr and uh, temporary help and all kinds of stuff. So there's really way more options because of the internet than there ever was to effectively staff and manage that. I can't think of staff without staffing, without thinking of Steve Jobs. He said, if you do everything in your career correctly, eventually you just become a recruiter. And I agree with that. Your business will live or die based on who works there. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, it's yourself. And you're in the, in the your business is gonna do great in the beginning or it's not. And that's because of you. Between the two of us, Jill loves to do things herself. I can't stand it. My first reaction to do anything, almost anything, is to find somebody else to do it, and then I'll manage it, manage it, and go on and do and start the next thing. Jill's uh, locked into doing stuff herself, and that's just what happens sometimes. <laughs> she gets it done correctly. And finally, this: if you are not if you don't have a sincere interest in what you're doing in business, it's gonna eventually end not good. Nobody wants to do stuff they don't wanna do. I don't, I, I mean, maybe somebody does somewhere and they, they have some self-punishment thing, but nobody should be able, should do this day and age, do stuff they don't wanna do. I agree. You, you won't stay with it, you'll give up. I mean, it's amazing to me that you worked for American Airlines that long. And I had a good time. So, so then you didn't do something you didn't want to do. No, I, I didn't want to do. Every day I was at a county, I didn't want to do it. I had a good time. I had good friends. We had a good time. It was great. So, and again, I would, I had good vacation benefits and then I would split and be gone. So, you know what was nice about it at the time? Those are my goals, right? And it was a, it was also a job that if I wasn't there, the planes would still be in the air. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't dependent oh, on me. Sure. So when I clocked out, I clocked out. That was all, that was different back then. That's all I that's all I wanted. So now I clock out in a different way, and it's <laughs> <laughs> and it's still just as effective. You know what I hated about it's work? on our RV or something like that. What I really disliked about working yeah. is uh, whoever was above me was forever unpleased. Oh. You're unpleasable. 
So whatever I was producing, this is, you know, we, yeah. we had computers, but it was nothing like it is now. True. Whatever reports we were doing, yeah, I'd go back and change this. Everything got redlined. It was not, and it wasn't because what I was producing was, uh, I learned later, bad. It was just, you know, that's how they justified their existence. It's yeah. such a, so inefficient to work for somebody else, especially in a big company. The inefficiencies crushed my soul. It sounds like you didn't care. You just wanted to go to Paris. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> Join us next Wednesday for another interesting episode. You are not alone in your real estate ambition. We, we are, are Jack, Jack and Jill. Jill. Information and inspiration. It's about undervalued property.